Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Rebuild. I am your host, as always, Jordan Zerm, uh, coming to you live today from an undisclosed safe house outside of uh, the Port of Miami. <clears throat> tried to get Rick Ross uh, as a guest today. He said no. Um, tried to get former Cavaliers legend Dion Waiters on as a guest. He said no. Didn't want to ask Al Horford, who was in town last night, former uh, Florida Gator, because I just, you know, the Celtics and his affinity for turtlenecks is something I can't get behind, but he would have probably said no anyway. Um, I'm in talks with a, an alligator just to just come on and make some noises. I'm just really trying to get that authentic Florida feel on this podcast, but everybody has turned me down, so I'll keep you guys updated on that. But on a, uh, on a more serious note, I, I wanted to say before the episode starts, I wanted to say thank you to everybody who listens to The Rebuild. Um... Started this just a few months ago and didn't know, you know, what the audience would look like and how many people would be listening. And um, I just had the biggest month of downloads in uh, the month of March for this podcast by a lot over the previous month. Um, and numbers that uh, sort of blow my mind when I, uh, when I look at them and, and look at how many people are actually listening to the podcast. So a very genuine and sincere thank you to anybody that... Uh, listen to the podcast, <clears throat> even if you hate it, even if you wish there were things I did differently, even if, as one reviewer said, it sounds like there is a plate of avocado toast sitting right next to the microphone, which, look, I'll be honest with you, there have been times where, yeah, maybe there was a plate of avocado toast sitting right next to me. I love avocado toast, and if that's uh, if that's your best criticism of me, then I accept it, <clears throat> that I am a millennial that eats avocado toast and um, sometimes makes really bad jokes. On the internet, I'm here for that. I accept that. So, uh, but yeah, we're coming to you. We're coming to you from Florida at my good friend uh, Mike's house, uh, Mike Reed, who you should absolutely follow on Twitter. He is at Mike Reed. I think he's at Mike Reed. I double check what his Twitter name is, um, so I can properly tell you guys to go follow him. I'm sorry, it is at Mike Reed USN. Um, follow Mike. He's a Florida native, but a huge Cleveland sports fan. He has very good Cleveland sports tweets. Um, really good tweets, doesn't get enough love for them, so um, follow Mike Reed at Mike Reed USN. He kindly is hosting me <clears throat> during my this sort of half work, half just vacation that I'm on right now. Uh, last night, I got to go to a Miami Heat game. Really good seats. They played the Boston Celtics. It was a really, really uh, close and fun game, and I have I had some narratives busted that I'm not I'm not thrilled about. I, I always like to imagine the Miami Heat just having um, the worst fan base in the NBA and nobody shows up because they're building sandcastles and they don't have time for that kind of thing. Uh, last night's game, a Wednesday night game um, against the Celtics. Now, I know the Celtics are this, uh, you know, iconic franchise and, and there's a lot of transplants in Florida, so there were Celtics fans everywhere. But, man, uh, Heat fans really showed out. <laughs> it was, like, totally sold out. They were really into the game. Now, 
Um, the the Heat are fighting for to hang on to that eighth spot in the Eastern Conference playoff. They lost last night, so they're now a half game out of it. So there's a lot of incentive for fans to come out. But uh, my impression of Miami Heat games was just a half full arena um, with people in Tommy Bahama shirts. And yeah, um, you know, my narrative got busted last night, and I'm not happy about it. Um, I'm going to try to forget that there were actually good fans there, and it was a good game because it's upsetting to me that that was actually the case. Also, seeing Kyrie Irving, and I know this makes people mad. I know there's still people that hold grudges against Kyrie Irving, and that is fine and understandable, and he, uh, his off-the-court personality is uh, off-putting and terrible. But, man, I would pay to watch that dude play basketball every single night. If it was just him on a court with no other teammates, I would pay for season tickets. He's just unreal to watch in person. And, you know, since he never plays in Cleveland anymore... I saw him play in the uh, the Celtics opener against the Cavs two years ago, right when Kyrie had left, and that's the only time I've seen him in person since he left Cleveland, and you forget just what an incredible, incredible athlete he is. Uh, the ball handling skills, he can get to any spot he wants on the court, he can get any shot he wants at any time, uh, he can pull up from, from deep. I was having a conversation with a couple friends of mine this morning about, you know, Steph Curry gets rightly, a lot of accolades for the type of player that he is. I I really think that if Kyrie Irving's personality was different and he wasn't just such a mope off the court, we would talk about him like we talk about Steph Curry because he does almost everything. He's not as, he's not quite as good of a shooter, but he's shooting 40% from deep this season. Um, he used to not be as good of an assist guy as Steph Curry. He's still not as prolific as Curry is with passing, but his assists, he's averaging the most assists of his career this year. Um... He's just an incredible talent, and uh, he is a lot of the Celtics' offense, and I think we lose sight of how good he is, especially in Cleveland for obvious reasons, but um, it was a joy to watch him last night, and I sort of forgot how much fun it is to watch him in person, and um, if that upsets you, I understand, but Kyrie Rivering is a, is a specimen, and he should be talked about more and should be held up in the same type of light as we talk about Steph Curry, and he's not. Um, and I do think his personality has a lot to do with that. Um, but uh, anyway, the other thing I wanted to say about going to the Heat game last night, first of all, Marlon's man was there. I was in the same space as Marlon's man. There was no physical altercations. Uh, fortunately, I'm not sitting in a uh, Dade County Jail right now, but um, I gave him the evil eye a few times, uh, just so he knew. So he knew how I f- how I felt. I, I hope he just felt the vibe that I was putting towards him in the universe. Um, so I can report that I evil eyed Marlon's man for a while. Also, walking into the game, there were two guys. I put this on my Instagram story. There were two guys. Um, they were just the same person twice. They had the exact same haircut. Maybe they were twins. I'm kind of hoping they weren't related and just they've always looked alike and they hang out all the time and they they were both wearing Justice Winslow Heat jerseys, same one. Um, They were also wearing the same pair of shorts. They had the same haircut. Uh, They were both wearing um, the same length socks and I forget if they're wearing the same shoes or not. But like, don't, don't be the same guy twice. You know, don't. I don't know. They were old enough where, like, it w- it's weird that they were just like, you know what we should definitely do tonight? Let's go to the Heat game wearing the same exact outfit with the same exact haircut. Like, don't, I don't know, man. Don't do that. That's super weird. If you're over, like, 10, you should not be doing that. I don't care if, you're a, if you are a twin and you guys have some weird twin thing going on um, and your answer to the question of why are you guys the same person twice, the answer is because we're twins. I just... 
I don't do. I don't like it, man. It feels like it's like a glitch in the universe. I've I've had this experience a few times where I've been somewhere. One time I was in the airport and there were two guys. Maybe they were twins. They had to have been, and they're just wearing the same outfit. And they were grown men. Don't. I don't know. You know, don't do it. Just don't do it. It really freaked me out. People in line were talking about them, like everybody. Um, so it's just a, it's a really weird, it's a w weird concept. And Miami, I don't know. It's just going to further my opinion of the people in Florida um, are just strange. So shout out to the guys that went to the Heat game and that were just the same person twice. Um, and big Justice Winslow fans, I guess. So that's a, that's the extent of my. Um, my Miami tales. Miami seems like a really cool city. Uh, went out in a neighborhood called Wynwood last night, uh, which was really cool. There was like graffiti and public art everywhere on the side of buildings and restaurants and bars, and um, that was a really cool little, really cool little place. So, um, but that's enough. I'm not going to praise Miami and Florida anymore because we are arch enemies and we have been ever since Ohio State and Florida were playing in bowl games and in NCAA championships and all of that. So uh, that's it. That's the extent of my uh, Florida praise for the next 15 years. So I hope, hope you're happy. It is now time to uh, switch over to what this podcast is actually about, uh, which would be the Cleveland Browns, uh, the most exciting team in, in the NFL, the, the most um, the most hyped team in the uh, in the league right now in 2019, and I don't. I I used to say that um, as a joke, but I think it's real now. I think the Browns have the most attention and eyes on them, maybe outside of the the Chiefs, like just in terms of offensive firepower and prowess. And um, obviously, uh, on Monday, we finally Odell Beckham Jr. finally made it to Cleveland, Ohio welcomed him with uh, 40 degrees. At least it was sunny, but there was some snowstorm on the ground because of that wonderful March snowstorm that we had a, a day or so before both the Indians home opener and Odell Beckham Jr. Loved to play baseball in cold weather cities in March. Um, so welcome to Cleveland, Odell. I promise that it warms up and it will warm up soon, although you're back in Los Angeles, so I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, but just a very, like, there's been a lot of talk about the presser, and, and we've you know, I, I wrote about it for Uproxx and, and some of his um, best quotes from the presser and stuff. So a lot of that's been covered. I, it's still just very surreal to not only see Odell Beckham Jr. sitting up there, but being flanked by Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett and Jarvis Landry. And, like, I thought it was a very symbolic thing that the Browns sort of did. You know, they had Freddie Kitchens speak first, and Freddie Kitchens has had this message of, you know, there's we don't say I, we always say us. You know, if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. It's a, very much this team concept that Freddie Kitchens has been drilling from the moment that he took over as head coach, and I thought it was pretty symbolic of the Browns to bring up uh, Odell with members of the team. I thought that was a really cool move um, and sort of backs their messaging. And honestly, what's even crazier, though, is like you're looking at these four players and you're thinking about the talent that the Browns have. But there's, you know, you could have had Denzel Ward joining uh, everybody up on stage. You could have had Nick Chubb up there. Like the Browns core, it remains so surreal how talented this Browns core is on both sides of the ball. Like it's not only offensively, but defensively. You have Denzel Ward and Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett, and you added to Sheldon Richardson. Um, and you look at Demarius Randall, like you just have these pieces, these young pieces, um, and the talent is just, it's just, it's stunning and it's, and it's cool to see like that felt like a, not on the same scale, obviously, but like when, when LeBron first sat down 
with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, or when LeBron first sat down with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. Like, that's the type of feel that you get. You're just looking at the spectacle. You're looking at Odell and Baker Mayfield together, and they're going to be playing for the same team. And it's very, very surreal that it is happening on the Cleveland Browns, and we are going to get to watch this on a weekly basis. And um, that's really exciting. And I also thought it was really, um, I don't know. You know, people were getting their jokes off about how close... Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry are because um, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, still exist in the year, you know, 2001. Um, but, like, I, I just thought, like, it's so genuine. Like, very rarely in life do you make a friend and have that the type of relationship that it appears that Odell and Jarvis have, which is, like, not just friends, but, like, dudes that are, like, we need each other in our lives. Like, we, to exist, it is hard for us to coexist without each other. Um, which is just, like, a level of friendship that I don't know how you even get to. I mean, like, we all have our best friends and really close friends, but, like, that level of, um, and obviously their backgrounds are different, you know, like I'm not coming from, from the, the environments and the, um, sort of neighborhoods that they come from and, and bonds you form when you are living in, in situations that are not super stable and are not in the best living conditions, I think can, can be strengthened more so than myself or somebody growing up as a middle-class American or living somewhere, um, where you don't deal with any of that stuff. So, you know, it's just really, it's just fascinating to see their bond. And I think that of all the things for Odell that I think are going to help, whether it's a a fresh start, whether it's a quarterback that's going to throw him the ball deep, (laughs) like, I think that's going to change Odell's whole personality. I think he's going to be so much happier. Um, I think that having Jarvis there, and Adam Henry, the receivers coach from LSU, who's now uh, in the same role with the Cleveland Browns. Like, just providing him a sort of network of people that are really close to him. Not just, you know, a coach he met when he first got in the NFL and developed a relationship. Like, these are deep-seated relationships. And so I I think that this trade made so much sense. Not only because I also think the stuff about OBJ and and the criticisms that are leveled against him are are mostly unfair and, and undeserved and dumb. Um, and, a, and a lot of winning will solve a lot of that, but just the people that are going to be around him in Cleveland, and I think you saw that up on the stage, I thought that was really cool, uh, and I think what he and Jarvis have is something that um, is a really cool thing to have, and it's cool that they, this is something that they turned in, you know, they went from dreams to reality, um, playing together at LSU, and now years later playing together with the Browns on a team that um, in the coming years could legitimately have a shot at going to a Super Bowl, and that's sort of mind-blowing, so... Um, a lot of things have changed very, very fast, and it's still taking time to get used to, but they're all good things, and uh, it was cool to finally see Odell rocking an orange hat with Brown of the Elf on it. What could be better? He's rocking some clean Air Jordan 1s. Like the, the, the style and swag level of the Browns is just taken to another level because I'm not sure if you guys are ready for Odell's outfits. We're going to have an Odell outfit tracker um, on Twitter for sure that I'm going to create. Don't steal that from me. I'm doing it right now. Um, so that was really exciting. I also thought it was... Like, Freddie Kitchen's level of gets us is unprecedented. It's off the charts. It needs to be uh, weighed by a Richter scale because, like, it's out of control. Not only did he wear a Cleveland Indians block C hat on, on opening day, um, which was the same day as his press conference, he also said whoop hell which is just, 
an amazing phrase. I don't know if that's something people from the South say a lot. Maybe they do. Maybe there's this world where you travel to Alabama and everybody's just like, whoop de hell, like all the time about everything. Maybe that world exists. I haven't been, uh, I haven't been spent enough time in the Deep South to, uh, to know if that just exists in modern day conversation. But the potential for Freddie Kitchens to be memed like all season long is really high. The content that Freddie Kitchens is going to provide us is is at an all time high. Um, the potential for it, so I'm ready for the memes. But I'm just like the gets us from Freddie Kitchens, man. It's going to be hard for anyone to ever approach that sort of level of gets us that Freddie Kitchens is currently putting out into the universe. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's just really like we've never seen anything like it before. I've consulted a lot of my sources um, on this, and they say that this is the highest level of gets us. The advanced analytics on on this gets us is just it's just through the roof. The usage rate of Cleveland gets us is uh, is very high with Freddie, so um, that's great. And uh, it's just yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be personalities from Baker to Jarvis to Odell, but then you just have Freddie like this aw shucks this aw shucks dude who just keeps it real and like he's he has to be the glue that's gonna hold everything together and um, it's. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to read the um, very big article on sort of what happened in Green Bay between Aaron Rodgers and Mark McCarthy and how that relationship was sort of doomed from the start, but there was a line that stood out to me in that just about how Mike McCarthy's job was to essentially manage personalities and manage Aaron Rodgers, and instead he spent a lot of his time um, trying to take credit for the offense and the play calling and all the success that the Packers had. Like, he just wanted to make sure people knew that was him. And if that reminds you of a former Browns coach named Hugh Jackson, uh, then you would be spot on. And I think that Freddie, that will, that's going to be his challenge. Um, and that is going to be his charge. And I think that allowing himself to try and manage personalities, which it looks like he did really well with Baker already from sort of those behind-the-scenes videos that we saw. But that's going to be so important um, because you sort of see when you get an inside look on a coach that spends more time trying to make sure it's his play calling that's that's working, make sure he's getting the proper amount of credit for what's going on. Um, sounds a whole lot like what the Browns' last regime was doing, and uh, it's going to be up to Freddie Kitchens to sort of use that that genuineness that he seems to have about him to sort of keep this um, sort of carousel of personalities in check. And um, it's going to be fascinating to watch, and it's going to be fascinating to watch to see what happens when things inevitably um you know, get tough if there's a game that they, you know, were favored in and they get blown out or if one, to, you know, Odell's held to one catch and there's going to be questions about why. There's just going to be things that are going to happen and um, we will see if Freddie is the right man to do it. I think that he is. I think he has that type of personality and that type of um, realness about him that, that players respect. But, you know, that's going to be remain to be seen and I think that's going to be his biggest challenge. But looking forward to... Uh, to all of it, and I wish we didn't have to wait um, until the middle of the summer for for training camp to get here. Because it, if it could start today, that uh, that would be wonderful. Um, cool. I wanted to take a very brief break from this exclusive Florida-based podcast uh, to talk to you about Harry's. Um, Harry's is teamed up with Blue Wire. We want to make sure all of our listeners are shaving comfortably. I am a man that enjoys some nice stubble. I'm not someone that can grow a full-on beard. 
because it looks terrible and it just sort of looks ratty and it sort of gets to a point and just stops. So I'm a big fan of just kind of buzzing that down, getting a little bit of stubble going on. And um, I, if it's as important, it's become more important to me as I've gotten older to just not let it just fester and go. Like I need to make sure I'm looking right. You know what I'm saying? So um, if you go to harrys.com slash blue wire right now, you can save $10 on a value trial set, which includes the following. You get a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. You get rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. So you get all of that uh, for just $3. It's shipped right to your door. So enough with the cheap razors, which are just, oh my God, if you've ever just bought a disposable razor from like CVS or, or wherever, it's the worst. It is the worst. I think I bought like a 20-pack once because I was traveling somewhere and I have never had a worse shaving experience in my life. So it is totally worth trying Harry's. Um, Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a really fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany. They've been making quality blades for over 95 years. That's almost a century of making really good blades. So join the 10 million who have already tried Harry's. You can claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Um, all of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee, so if you don't love your shave, just let them know and they will give you a full refund. So again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire and you can redeem your razor for just $3 today. All right, so let's uh, jump back into some things. Uh, just a couple more things that I, I wanted to touch on before we get out of here today. Um, you know, so the Browns are doing, and they've done this for a few years now, They've sort of put together this show, and it's called Building the Browns. Um, and it's interesting because you, there's, a, there's a thin line to walk uh, between, you know, when you are creating content around a sports team that is also sort of being created by people that work for the organization or is sort of a team-branded or um, content. And there are teams that do this stuff really well, and then there are teams that don't do it super well where it just feels like, you're not. You're never going to get a legitimate look at at what's really going on behind the scenes, or you know they're going to brush past any negative stuff and just keep it you know as positive as possible. And I thought some of the early episodes of Building the Browns were kind of, eh, especially you know when they're going through a one thirty one season, and um, you know you watch it because I think a lot of people, including myself, just eat up any sort of behind-the-scenes content, any sort of mic'd-up stuff. Like, I love that. Um, I, I would watch that stuff all day. But, you know, it, it, can be, it can be a tough thing to produce when people come into it skeptical because, you know, you, uh, there's a bias there. And obviously, if this is a team-branded thing, they're not going to show you the full picture. They're going to try to probably keep it as, as sort of positive as possible. And, you, you know, you even, I think, you know, there's, there's shows and radio shows that are kind of team-sponsored and, and, and stuff like that that you're just not going to get sort of the stuff that you would get if you worked for just a regular outlet and you, you know, you could critique freely or, or do what you want. So um, the Browns have sort of been advertising, you know, for this upcoming season of building the Browns. And obviously there's a lot of reasons to watch it. Um, you know, we don't have to rehash what we've talked about most of this podcast. There's a ton of reasons to watch it, but I, I will say that I wa they put out a trailer today and I watched it and um, I do enjoy that it looks like, and I think the Browns social accounts in general have really sort of evolved into something that has is a little more separate um, from being just a team 
mouthpiece. And I remember talking to somebody that worked for, you know, ClevelandBrowns.com and was in the organization about, this was a couple of years ago, that that was sort of the direction that they were hoping to go. Um, now, it's easier when you're not terrible. And it's easier when you're you go seven eight and one, and you um, you know this by all accounts this upcoming season should be a really positive one. So it's it's a little bit easier to sort of um, show the negative when it, when you're looking forward and it looks like it's going to be mostly positive. So uh, that's a caveat. But I will say that from the social, especially their Twitter account, which I think has become phenomenal and has come a really long way from what it used to be. Um, I think their Twitter account is one of the be- better ones in the NFL now uh, and really creative and doing really great stuff. But I-, I will say I appreciate from this trailer of building the Browns, um, you know, Hugh Jackson isn't with the organization anymore, but in this trailer is uh, people talking about Hugh getting fired and people talking about how dysfunctional of an organization the Browns are and the video of Demarius Randall handing Hugh Jackson the ball. So it seems to me that, this will maybe be a more realistic look at the team than maybe it would have been a couple years ago. Now, I think there's obviously going to be things. There's going to be some stuff you're going to scoff at. There's probably going to be some stuff that's going to feel a little forced and a little uh, cheesy. But if you're going to make something like that and you really want people to watch it and um, not just be like, this is just propaganda for the Cleveland Browns, then I think you have to do what this trailer looks like they're going to do, which is you know take a hard and a somewhat negative look at the negative times in your organization um and uh and then you know move forward from that so i'm going to be really fascinated to see what the season of building the browns what it looks like and um how much they're going to sort of talk about this past season and and how much of that uh will be a part of it and uh so that remains to be seen but you know because it felt they did it last year when hard knocks was there and it, it sort of was just like well why would i watch this if i'm watching hard knocks because hard knocks is going to show me the stuff that's really going on and building the browns is not so i don't think i watched a single episode last year um but this year obviously hard knocks is going to be there if there was if there was ever a year that hard knocks could do a back-to-back seasons with one team this would be it with the browns but they're not they're obviously not going to do that and um so i think that um the, building the Browns has an opportunity to sort of replace that this year, and it looks like they sort of have a decent grasp on um, on how to do that and how to make something that feels like it can actually connect with an audience rather than just being a sort of marketing campaign for the Cleveland Browns, which, you know, it partially is. But um, I think, you know, along those lines, that's uh, uh, hopefully what it is. Um, and finally... You sort of end on the ongoing saga of Duke Johnson uh, and the Cleveland Browns, which feels like it's co- that relationship is coming to an end. And this sounds like something you know we've talked about this a lot uh, this off season. I've had a uh, personal experience with it when I tweeted some stuff about how it looked like Duke Johnson had deleted all references to the Browns on his social media accounts. And uh, he saw that tweet and said that, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, and um, uh, just keep, you know, don't keep my name out of your mouth, that type of thing. And, uh, and then it comes out that, uh, I think Mary Kay reported that Duke Johnson's team has asked for, uh, asked for him to be traded. So, you know, I, not that anything that Duke Johnson did with his social media was pointing to, he was about to request a trade, but like these things don't just kind of happen to happen. And I feel like, 
Um, Duke Johnson has been unhappy with his role for a while, and I don't, I don't blame him, and I've said this over and over again. Duke Johnson deserves to go to a team where he's going to be utilized and going to have more than you know five to ten touches a game. And um, the, the Browns do not appear to be that place, and now the Browns only have more weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and it's going to be even harder to get Duke touches. So I don't, um, I don't disagree with Duke Johnson asking for a trade because I, I feel like we have the evidence that uh, he's not going to get the touches he deserves. Um, it, it seems the Philadelphia Eagles have been reported to be very interested in Duke Johnson, which I, I think would be a wonderful fit for them, pairing him sort of um, as a as a guy in Doug Peterson's offense with Carson Wentz coming back off an of injury as a guy that can really um, you know add another level to that sort of Philadelphia offense. And um, Adam Schefter recently sort of re- reported he said nothing is really close right now. Uh, I guess the Browns have had discussions with uh, with the Bears. This is all per Adam Schefter. Um, they were talking, um, or excuse me, the Eagles, obviously they just made a trade for Jordan Howard as well. So I don't know if that, that sort of quiets the, uh, the Duke Johnson trade rumors with the Eagles. Um, but they have been talking and it seems there've been rumors that the Browns have been talking to other people too and other teams. So I do think Duke Johnson is going to get moved, especially if the report that he has asked for a trade is true. Um, there's sort of been this weird disconnect, especially with Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey talking about, you know, why, just because we picked up Kareem Hunt doesn't mean we're looking to trade Duke Johnson. I don't know whether they're saying that to sort of up his price or if they're just kind of presenting a unified front for PR reasons and not to, you know, stir stir things up. But I do think that Duke Johnson will be off of this team. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a weird thing to look back on. And, and maybe he gets to Philadelphia or wherever he goes, and he's still underutilized. And maybe this is just going to be part of Duke Johnson's sort of um, legacy as a player that maybe he just, either teams can't figure out how to properly get him the ball or he doesn't do enough to get the ball. Um, I just think that that could be really interesting. But if he goes somewhere and flourishes, I think it's going to be a bummer because I think every time he touches the ball, he has potential to do stuff in the open field. He has potential to um, make a man miss. Uh, really good catching the ball in the backfield. Could become a full-time slot receiver. Like I think there's so many things you can do with him that I think a team that is creative offensively should be able to turn him into more than what the Browns did. And um, As a guy they drafted and as a guy that I have always been a huge fan of and has always been banging the drum for him to get more touches. It's uh, it's a bummer that it that it never happened and looks like um, it's not going to happen. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Browns can get for Duke Johnson. Um, Schefter has thrown out a fourth-round pick, which just feels, like, much too low. I don't know. I mean, maybe a third is too high, but a fourth-rounder for Duke Johnson does not feel like equal value for him. Um, and I think that that's another problem with the Browns not being able to sort of showcase him enough is maybe that value isn't going to be there for other teams. They don't feel like he's going to be worth what you what you want from him, but but kind of throwing out a fourth-rounder seems... Um, it doesn't seem like the right amount of value for Duke. But uh, whatever happens with him um, and, you know, wherever he ends up, if it's not with the Browns, wish him luck. He appears to be on his way to becoming a very famous chef, so I will buy whatever food Duke Johnson uh, is eating and creating and giving out to the people. So we will see We will see what goes on. Uh, but I, I think even, even though the Eagles traded for, for Jordan Howard, who has sort of, you know, been up and down, I, I think that that Duke is dynamic enough where, again, it doesn't matter who else you sort of have in that backfield. He's just a guy that you want to have and you want to keep and be able to sort of 
uh, get creative offensively with him and create mismatches on linebackers and safeties and move him around. Like there's just it's frustrating because there's so much he can do um, and he hasn't got to do a lot as much of it as he should. And um, the Eagles do feel like a perfect team and a perfect offense and a sort of perfect kind of progressive coach, offensive coaches there that could turn him into a, a real weapon for for Carson Wentz. So uh, we will see what happens uh, with that. Thank you guys as always for joining me for another episode. Um, the, the alligator officially said no to my interview request, so no Florida guests today, but, uh, hopefully some, some stuff going on. I know I mentioned, um, last week that I'm hoping to have Kevin Clark, uh, from the ringer on. He's a busy man. So hopefully that is something that obviously didn't happen this week, uh, but happens in the future. Um, maybe Mina Kimes coming down the pipeline in a couple months, uh, some initial talks there. So I'm excited about that. Um, so hopefully as we, you know, kind of get closer to the draft, uh, more guests, uh, so I don't have to just kind of sit here uh, and do this and, and ramble on for you guys for half an hour, even though I could talk probably for two hours about Browns football. It's always fun to interact with somebody else. So I try not to do too many solo episodes because you guys probably get really tired of me. So more guests on the way to come. Um, but as always, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys hanging during this off season where the anticipation for the season is about as big as it's ever been. So uh, again, thank you for listening to The Rebuild. Please subscribe on iTunes. Uh, listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We are on um, Art19, where you can listen as well. Uh, make sure you're listening to all Blue Wire podcasts, uh, whatever team you follow, whether it's the Browns, whether it's the Cavs, or whether it's you know any any other professional sports team. You can pro- in any city, you can probably find a podcast underneath the Blue Wire umbrella. Um, so go to art19.com/bluewire and, and check out everything that's there to offer. We're building a really really deep deep roster of podcasts for all of your your sports needs. So um, go and check that out. Find your favorite and tell a friend to tell a friend. Once again, this is Jordan Zerm. Follow me on Twitter at Cleve Zerm, and I will be back with you next week for another episode of the Rebuild. All right, talk to you guys later. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.